It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Here we go with Malia Jacobson as your host. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. I'm sleep and health journalist Malia Jacobson, and I'm very glad you're here. I hope you're safe and healthy as we move into a new month. Goodbye, April. Hello, May. I am definitely ready for the change. Our topic today is one that's been mentioned in all of my previous episodes, but it hasn't been the focus of any of them, and that's the connection between sleep and nutrition. As someone who enjoys both eating and sleeping, I've always been interested in nutrients that support better sleep, and I've been surprised that there's not more information out there about how we can eat in ways that promote better sleep, since we're all eating all day anyway, right? One of the first, if not the very first article I wrote as a health journalist was called Serving Up Sleep and it was about nutrients that promote better sleep. It was picked up by many publications. You can Google it. It's still out there. The piece covered the importance of nutrients like B vitamins, magnesium, and iron to healthy sleep. Certain sleep disorders have a particularly strong link to nutrition. Restless leg syndrome is linked to low levels of iron and magnesium, for example. Sleep and nutrition are so closely linked that I was very excited to meet my guest for today's episode, Dr. Jose Colon, a sleep specialist who approaches sleep medicine from a holistic perspective that incorporates nutrition. I've interviewed many sleep physicians over the past decade, and I really appreciated his views on how we can support better sleep through the foods that we choose, often by eating common, widely available foods that we may have on hand anyway. A little bit more about my guest. Jose Colon, MD, is a sleep medicine specialist and founder of Paradise Sleep, an organization dedicated to education in sleep health. He's triple board certified in sleep medicine, neurology with special qualifications in child neurology, and lifestyle medicine. He specializes in sleep disorders and is the author of several sleep books, including The Sleep Diet, A Novel Approach to Insomnia. He's also an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner and American Society of Clinical Hypnosis approved consultant. Let's get him on the line. For joining me today, I'm so excited to have you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, what is life like for you these days? How is your work changing? Well, you know, everyone's been impacted in different ways and it's, it's really easy to say that we're all in the same boat um, when in fact we're all in the same storm because everyone's boat is different, you know. Um, some people's health has been affected, others it has not, others financial situation and employment has been affected, others to different degree, you know, so um, we're, we're, all, we're all in this together and we're all doing the best that we can to, you know, to move forward. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. Everyone has been impacted so differently depending on just what your caretaking responsibilities are, whether you have kids at home, what industry you work in, what your work schedule looks like these days. If if you are even able to work from home, fortunate enough to be getting a paycheck. So absolutely. And and people are all responding differently too. So it, yeah, it has been quite an interesting thing to watch. So we are going to be talking primarily about sleep and diet, which is something that has actually come up on all the other interviews that I've done. So I'm really glad to have you here to focus on that a little bit more. But before, yeah, before we get into that, let's talk more specifically about diet and immune health. 
we just talked about how everything, you know, everyone has been impacted. And right now people are eating differently than they used to. And it, that's maybe not something that we expected when everything first changed um, a month or two ago, but people are just eating differently because COVID-19 has impacted everything about our daily lives and our routines. Whether we're working through our pantry, you know, dig into the back of the pantry and finding things that we wouldn't normally eat, cooking more at home, just eating more often, snacking around the clock. What might people want to know about how what they're eating is affecting their immune health right now? Well, you know, that's, these are great points that you make up, and many people don't realize that one of the first lines of immunity are within your gut. And things that you can do to make your, your gut health better impacts your immune system on a, on a positive way as well. So, you know, first of all, immune system starts in the gut. So if, if we're putting things into our body that are, that are highly processed and, and artificial, you know, that's negatively impacting our gut, which negatively impacts our immune system. And then the other side is the quality of, of what you eat does also uh, affect your immune system in different ways. You know, so if we're eating a rainbow of, of veggies and fruits, a rainbow of colors, we're getting more of the phytonutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need to help boost our, our immune system. Yeah. And it's funny when I am at the grocery store, the produce is still pretty readily available. It's the processed carbs and the, the kind of more pantry staples, the pastas and things like that, that are just very difficult to find, but the produce is still there. Um, you know, usually I, I funny and not funny because I, I told my wife that and when we were first going through the initial stages and I heard that there was going to be a lockdown, I'm like, man, I'm going to the grocery store because there's, there's going to be a rundown on food. And I was really concerned. And when I got back, I was like, no, we're okay because the stuff that we eat is all still there. You know, the organic meats were there, the, the, the colors and the veggies and fruits were there. Uh, but you're right. A lot of the box processed stuff was, was out. Yeah, I have had no problems. In, in fact, the produce department seems completely unchanged, um, which has been pretty nice. So let's talk about diet and sleep. When it comes to insomnia or sleep disorders, a lot of people, I think, don't make the connection between what they eat and what they sleep, just like we said. Um, and when, when we're thinking about ways that we can sleep better, we might think of taking a sleeping pill or a supplement, maybe taking a warm bath, um, maybe exercise, but rarely what we're putting on our plates. In your work with adults and children around sleep health and sleep disorders, are people surprised when you bring up their diet? Yeah, they, they are. Um, they, they're surprised uh, when, when we bring up diet. And, um, but overall, people are kind of in this area recognizing that, that I practice that way. And the referring physicians have, have seen in my notes you know, the impact of, of nutrients and sleep and, and, and lifestyle, you know, and, you know, it's funny, sometimes they show up and they're like, I know you're going to ask me about my diet, or I know that you're going to meditate with me. And I'm like, well, okay, um, I guess people can uh, learn the learn the word. So it's, it's hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what should people know right now about nutrition and their diet in terms of how it might be affecting their sleep. And I think these are just things for people to keep in mind. I think the idea of doing a complete diet overhaul is overwhelming in our current circumstances, but just things for people to maybe be aware of, recognize some patterns in the way that their diet might be affecting their sleep quality. Yeah. So let's talk about patterns. Before that, 
let, let me impact that. This is very pertinent because we talked about diet and immunity, but sleep and immunity is also interrelated. So anything that you're going to do to improve your sleep is going to improve your, your, your immunity as well. Another thing that you mentioned is um, it, uh, a complete diet overhaul. One of the things that I first start with is just low hanging fruits. What are the little things that we can add or, or identify some things that, that we can modify but having said that, you know, as you mentioned, different patterns, I, I take a look at patterns in regards to macronutrients and, and micronutrients. Now, your macronutrients are, are your carbohydrates, your, your fats, and, and, your, and your proteins. And taking a look at patterns in regards to the macronutrients, protein intake is positively associated with, with better sleep very low protein intakes are, are uh, associated with disrupted sleep. When we take a look at carbohydrates, the quality of the carbohydrate is um, very important. Very fine, refined, processed, high glycemic foods, uh, such as table sugar or fructose. And what people don't realize is that white bread, white pasta, um, uh, uh, white rice has the same glycemic index of, of table sugar, but when you're having really high glycemic foods that spike your blood sugar, um, this can negatively impact your, your sleep and, and changing them to more sustained release, more complex carbohydrates is better. The pattern that we see is that when someone has a really high glycemic meal, there is a sleepiness that initially occurs, but then as that blood sugar drops, your kind of stress response and, and, and hunger response kicks in, epinephrine kicks in, and, and it'll kind of like alert you. So the parallel that I give is like alcohol. If someone uh, drinks alcohol, that may sedate them and they fall asleep, but then later when they rebound away from that alcohol, it disrupts the second half of their sleep. So sugar and high glycemic foods for sleep is like alcohol without the buzz. And then when we take a look at fats, um, Fats, we're, we're learning a lot more about fats. When I, so yes, I have, um, when, I, when I take a look at, at fats, um, used to be growing up, learning, you know, avoid fat, you know, do low fat diets. But one of the things that we're learning is that low fat diet actually has negative impacts on, on sleep. Good quality fats, trying to maintain as many plant-based fats as, as we can, nuts, seeds, avocado, olive oil is, is helpful. Um, and then also fats from, from fish, preferably um, wild caught, have a lot of omega-3s. Um, one of the things that I find in patients with insomnia is that sometimes they have low oleic acid levels and our, our brain needs uh, certain types of fats. So you asked me about patterns and we discussed patterns about, I said that there's macronutrients and micronutrients, and these are some patterns that we see in, in the macronutrients. In regards to the micronutrients, there's all kinds of, of vitamins and minerals, you know, B vitamins, uh, magnesium, zinc, uh, uh, other, other vitamins that, that are important for regulating our circadian system. Uh, and we need a, a variety of, of foods in order to, to get these, you know, whether it's cruciferous vegetables such as your, your broccoli, cauliflower are the main ones, but also bok choy, your Alliums such as garlics, onions, and, and leeks, dark leafy vegetables have great source of both of, of, of magnesium and, and other uh, 
nutrients. Um, there isn't one in particular food that is the super pill for, for sleep, but having a, a variety really sets up your overall health and, and wellness to, to be able to optimize your sleep. Right. And you mentioned oleic acid. What are some dietary sources of that? Oleic acid, you know, the simplest um, source is, is actually olive oil. You know, olive oil, sprinkling a little bit of olive oil on, on the food as, as you eat it um, is, is a great way to, to get uh, some oleic acid. Uh, interesting, they've, they've done these studies that patients who consume uh, fish, more fish, in particular cold water fish, that they have less Alzheimer's. Other studies have shown that you have better sleep. Um, and all of these things are are interrelated because we 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 learn that there's connections to sleep and, and the brain and mood disorders and all of these things just fascinatingly just intertwine. And uh, talking about patterns too, it is not just what we are eating; it may be when we are eating as well. Um, in terms of just what the research is showing about how food impacts sleep quality, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, just it, eating earlier in the day, eating before bed, and how that might affect our our blood glucose and our sleep. Yeah, so I mean that's a great point that you bring up, um, and you know the the later that you're up, the more that we end up eating because people end up with insomnia where they just <laughs> everything. Um, and if you're staying up really late and you're eating, guess what? People aren't eating salads. No, they're eating. Uh, packaged foods that are easy to, to just, you know, to open up and, 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 and to swallow. But eating patterns do uh, help as well. It has been shown that people who eat breakfast overall um, have uh, less, less obesity. Um, but also at the same time, we want to incorporate some degree of, of intermittent fasting. You know, the, we want to have periods of time that, 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 we, that, that we have some fast. So, um, ideally it's nice if, if you can go 10 hours overnight with, without eating. Um, so sometimes people need to either stop eating earlier or they can not skip breakfast, but move it uh, a little bit later. Um, I try to go 10 to 12 hours within a, within a fast. So sometimes I'll bring my breakfast to work. So I'll eat it when I get to work, as opposed to first thing in the, in the morning. I like to do fasting cardio, some fasting running. It's just something that, that um, I feel better doing, and I know that you burn more fat doing it. But talking about circadian patterns, when you consume carbohydrates, it's actually better to consume the carbohydrates uh, more in, in, the, in the morning time. That helps uh, balance our circadian system. And when people do intermittent fasting, you know, eating breakfast anywhere between 8 to 10 a.m. and ideally not eating after uh, 6 p.m. is is like the the most precise way to do intermittent fasting. But that could be uh, a challenge for some people. But doing whatever we can to avoid eating um, late, as as we mentioned, some of the de deleterious effects that that can have. Right, right. And I think people might, some people might be scared by the term intermittent fasting, but really what you're talking about is just giving your digestive system a break, whether you call it intermittent fasting or not, or whether you just say, I'm not going to eat after 8 p.m. Um, and it 
does seem to impact sleep. And it is interesting what the research shows. Um, it has a positive effect. But why is that? Is it really just that our stomachs need to be kind of in a resting state um, and digesting uh, kind of detracts from our sleep quality? I mean, why, why do you think that that particular pattern of giving your, your, your digestive system a break for that 10, 10 to 12 hours um, really helps sleep? So it's, it's different for many reasons, but one of the things is if we're, if we're able actually to get into some forms of, of ketosis to where, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, ketogenic diet, uh, a ketogenic diet has some great benefits, but I'm not saying everyone go on a ketogenic diet. But if, if we are able to get into some occasional periods of ketosis, so you, you're not having an overwhelming amount of carbohydrates and then you go through a period of time where, where, where you fast or, or having an extended period with not eating. If we do get into ketosis during those periods of time, that actually um, is revs up your brain in, in a good way. So it's very good for, for the brain. Right. And when you're going to bed on a full stomach, which I think everyone does now and then, um, but when we are doing that, the body is just not able to, um, sleep as efficiently or as effectively. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels good to do that. I get it. But um, ideally eating a little bit earlier is, is ideal for your, for your health. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Um, so we talked about um, pantry staples and, and what's on the grocery store shelves right now. And, and people do want to have a stocked pantry right now. Um, what are some things that people can keep in mind on their shopping list when they make it to the store that can support better sleep health. So I'm going to expand what you said. All right. You said pantry, but I'm going to say pantry and freezer. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, th things in your pantry, um, you know, the, the, the pantry overall is going to be more kind of box and storage stuff, but things that I keep in my pantry is sardines, you know, so wild caught sardines or, or wild caught salmon is, is a great way to have a great protein source with uh, a good fat source um, that is, that is going to be good for your sleep. Other things that you can put in your pantry um, are legumes, you know, so um chickpeas, black beans, you know, di different types of, of legumes and beans are things that, that you can keep in your pantry that, that can help out. Um, we also, I like um, bean pasta, for example. Black bean pasta or mung bean pasta uh, has more fiber in it than regular white pasta, and some of them have actually more protein than actual carbohydrate intake. Right, um, it's pretty so easy to find those too. I think even Costco has some chickpea pasta or red lentil pasta. It's pretty good. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are some, some canned things that, that we can, there's some general considerations with trying to avoid canned cans in general because they can have some BPAs, but if you could find um, BPA free uh, canned organic foods that actually can preserve some of the, the, the vitamins that you have in, uh, in, in the vegetables, you know, and, and, Veg, veggies when they're when you buy them i know that we talked about fresh produce but in reality this this fresh produce uh, unless you're eating it in you know from a farmer's market this this fresh produce was picked maybe you know a couple days to to a week ago when it wasn't fully ripe 
when you're taking vegetables and you're either going to freeze them or, or can them, these vegetables are, are ripened at the right time when, when they, uh, when they pick them. So canned veggies and, uh, frozen veggies is, is another good way to, to increase a variety of vegetable intake. So that's why I bring in the freezer. Things that we have in, in our freezers, we do have a variety of, of mixed veggies. Um, variety of berries are, are helpful. Um, if, if you buy, you know, whenever salmon is on sale and it's wild caught, I buy a couple and, and I freeze wrap it and, and put them in there. Uh, organic grass-fed patties, turkey patties are something that, that are easy to just keep frozen. Um, and, and you can utilize one thing that we did. Yes, I did hit all of the, uh, the fresh produce and I try to get our, our fresh meats. But the other thing that, that my wife and I did is, is we said to ourselves, okay, if we get sick and we can't leave and we absolutely cannot leave for, you know, a two week period, do we have enough food? Not, not in the fridge because that's, you know, we can't, it's, it's going to spoil. Do we have enough in, in regards to both our pantry and our and our freezer, so yes, our freezer is uh, is stocked. Okay, yeah, thank you for um, taking time to explain that. That's a great point. So you specialize in pediatric neurology. You've written two books on children's sleep, and you are a parent yourself. What should parents know about their child's diet and how that might be impacting their sleep? I know people are talking about their kids wanting snacks constantly. I know I'm experiencing that too as a parent Um, and children are spending more time indoors. Everyone is feeling stressed, but we also want our kids to sleep as well as possible right now. Um, How how can people think about that in terms of giving their kids the, the right foods to help support better sleep? So you're right. The right food supports sleep, but it's more than that. You know, it affects the brain. It affects uh, ADHD. It affects behavior. It affects uh, learning in in the in the classroom and now during uh, homeschool. So all of these things are are intricately intertwined. Um, one of the biggest things that I talk about in regards to nutrition and kids is the concept of primordial palate, and we were were born to survive. And therefore, infants, they have the, 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 the predisposition towards favoring foods that are salty and sweet, that of, of breast milk, for example. And anything that, that is different from that, you know, if you put it like a lemon drop or sour on, on a baby's tongue, you'll, or you'll see, you know, their, their face kind of uh, look funny. Or if you, you have them, broccoli can taste bitter, you know, to them. So... We are supposed to, through mature guidance of responsible parents, be able to introduce them to more mature foods as goes by. But if really early on we're giving our kids processed fruit snacks, processed foods that are, that are ultra salty and, and sugar, they, that infant, as they grow into toddlers, they never outgrow that primordial palate. They never outgrow that, that wanting of the, the salty sugar. So the thoughts of, of, of veggies and fruits, you know, 
becomes bland to them. So one of the first things that we can do to impact is to reduce the amount of of sugary, salty snacks, processed foods, liquid sugar, such as, as juices, focus more on water, flavor it maybe with, with, a, with a fruit. Um, but that's one of the first things that, that we can do. And then also, likewise, there's these bunch of products that are advertised as just for kids, you know, silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the more that, that we give them those just for kids foods, the more they're going to end up with that primordial palate and they're not going to be uh, wanting to have as much of the veggies and fruits, which we know that they need for, for growth, immunity and sleep as well. Right. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really great um, explanation. And it really just reading labels too. I think some of the foods that people are feeding or that we're feeding our kids, if we read labels, we can find some brands are made with sugar, some aren't. Some brands of peanut butter are made with added sugar, many aren't. Some brands of, you know, um, ketchup are made with lots of added sugar, some have less. You know, there's just even some mango. Um, my kids like dried mango and there's some that has added sugar and there's some that doesn't. And it's just reading the labels and making those choices. And my kids really don't know the difference. Um, and, but, but I do, and I know that they're, they're getting less sugar. Um, so when it comes to managing our own health and that of our children, I think everyone is juggling a lot right now. Um, if someone is overwhelmed or they're feeling stressed, what is one change that you would recommend that they make um, to help them sleep well and stay well? You know, I know that, that we're talking about foods, but one of the things that I really recommend is if, if someone's feeling stressed to try um, an awareness of breath meditation or, or do some type of, of breathing exercise or meditative or, or mindfulness exercises. Um, there's a lot of apps that, that are out there that are helpful. There's a lot of, of guided meditations online. I did a couple for my, my health system as, as well to try to uh, put that out there. Um, and mindfulness is something that really can help sleep and balance stress. Well, well guess what? Mindfulness can also help your foods. You know, mindful eating make, can uh, make it a practice so that we consume less yet feel the appropriate satiety. So that's uh, a little something that I would recommend. So when you say mindful eating, can you explain a little bit of what you mean by that? You know, so one of the first things that people do when they're learning mindfulness um, in, in both retreats and in classes is that they, they have you take a raisin and, you know, first kind of touch the raisin and, and feel it in your fingertips. Um, then put it in your mouth and, and feel the, the different textures that, that are in there. Um, then later the flavors and then, you know, mindfully feeling what it feels like as, as you, as you break that raisin with your molars or, or your teeth. Um, not just wolfing something down, but taking a moment to be mindful of what you're doing. I personally love to do this with an orange. And my, my daughter and I, you know, we like to do this. And whenever she sees an orange, you know, she, she gives it to me to open it to, to her. Why? Because the first thing that I like to do with an orange is, is smell it as you open it. And if you put it next to your, your nose, as you open up that peel, you can, you get this little tickle of, of a splash of sprinkle and you can smell that 
orange oil that uh, even that is in essence a, a form of aromatherapy. Then after you peel that orange, you take one slice and you feel what that one slice feels like in, in your mouth. You, you feel how as you're slowly masticating it, that, that first bite, you know, what, what is coming out of that orange. And you do that individually for, for each orange. And many times we, you know, we commonly eat until we're full, but if you wolf something down, you're not giving your, your body the time to tell you that it's full as opposed to eating and, and trying to, to masticate it trying to chew it slowly over a period of time, your body eventually sends the, the, the feelings of fullness. I wasn't aware of this, but you know, I didn't, I learned through my, not, not in medical school, but as I was learning more about nutrition and digestion, that technically we should be chewing something about 20 times before, (laughs) before we eat it, you know, so make, making a, a, a mindful attempt, to f- taste our foods and spend some time with it is an example of mindful eating. Okay, thank you. And are there any mindfulness apps that you recommend? So I personally use Calm. Um, I like uh, the meditations that Tamara Levitt does in, in Calm. I know that uh, other people use uh, Headspace. Um, I once downloaded Headspace and I ended up with a lot of, 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 of spam, a lot of advertisements, you know, maybe that hasn't happened anymore, but, but, um, that's a caution that I have, um, calm, you have to pay for it, but you're not going to get any of the ads. Uh, I think that headspace, a lot of people really like it and there may be a way to pay for that as well, but also YouTube, you, as you go through YouTube, um, you know, you can, Google or, or YouTube search mindfulness or awareness of breath or body scan relaxation. Um, yeah, yeah, that YouTube is so helpful. I mean, what isn't on YouTube? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. paint your house, learn how to cook and learn how to meditate all on YouTube. Well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful and I really appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise with us. Where can people learn more about you? Well, um, as you mentioned, yes, I sell, I've uh, written books for uh, children and infants and also for women's sleep. And we can go on to www.paradisesleep.com and there's information in regards to sleep health that's all out there for free. All right, great. And I will include those links in our show notes. Thank you again so much. And I, um, I, I really appreciate this. Uh, likewise, thank you for having me. Namaste. Okay. So there you have it. I hope that was helpful. I know I'm inspired. I do want to add that I'm not promoting intermittent fasting, a ketogenic diet, or any other style of eating. Please don't get down on yourself about your eating habits, especially when you're under stress. We're all doing the best we can, and that's all we can do. I wanted to add one more thing about eating right before bed. If you're like me, your stomach starts talking to you about a half an hour before bed. I personally don't like going to bed on a totally empty stomach because I know I might wake up hungry at 2 a.m. And it happens definitely a few times a week. I know, I also know that going to bed on a full stomach isn't good for sleep quality or digestion. So I am sometimes at a loss 
for what I should be eating right before I go to bed. So I asked that question to a registered dietitian and I wanted to share the answer. It's a tip from registered dietitian Ryan Maciel, head performance nutrition coach at Precision Nutrition. I interviewed him for a recent feature article on sleep health for athletes and he recommended approaching a pre-bed snack the same way you'd approach eating before exercise. Choose something light, liquid, and low in fat. Those options keep it easy on the digestive system so it won't interfere with sleep. And you do not want to be consuming this in the last probably hour before bed, ideally. Uh, but if you are headed to bed and you just find yourself too hungry to get to sleep, those options can help you think about things that you can grab that won't um, interfere with your sleep quality. So if you think about foods that you know you can tolerate before exercise, like for me, it would be a banana, applesauce, a non-dairy milk. Um, for you, there might be different options. Those could be good things to think about for uh, eating before bed if you need to. You know your own body best. Thanks again for listening all the way to the end. I am very grateful to have you here. You can follow the podcast on social media at SWSW Podcast on Twitter, at SleepWellStayWell on Facebook and Instagram. And you can get in touch with me and find show notes and more information at sleepwellstaywell.com. Next week, we'll look at a sneaky issue that's stealing sleep from kids and adults everywhere right now. And that's the impact of all of this extra screen time we're getting on our sleep and our habits. I hope you'll join me next Thursday as we look at some solutions. Until then, please sleep well and stay well. Bye-bye. It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Now you know. Thanks for checking out the show.